Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Gotta be feeling good about what Mike White's done today. On third and four, he'll look to throw. In zone, Wilson, a big play downfield. Wilson still going along the sideline. He's not going to go down. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning, 62 yards for the touchdown. Rodgers in trouble again, and he's sacked again by Quinn Williams. What a beast, number 95 for the Jets. Listen. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's time to answer your mailbag questions. So for that, we bring back our friend who is the editor over at JetNation.com and the co-host of Jet Nation Radio, Glenn Naughton. Glenn, we had a very eventful show yesterday after Nathaniel Hackett was announced as the offensive coordinator of the New York Jets, taking the place of Mike LaFleur, giving every Jets fan something to talk about over the weekend. And it will, of course, spill over into the mailbag. So glad to be able to answer some questions with you this weekend, my friend. Yeah, listen, it's never a dull moment, right? I feel like this team, so many times the moves they make, are, I mean, obviously it wasn't out of the blue that they signed an OC, but you know that the, you had these insiders telling us, "Oh, this was going to drag into February. It was mm-hmm. going to be a long process." Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, three days after being told it was going to be a long process, they hire a guy. So it's it's just you just never know what to expect. Yeah, I had several people telling me nothing was going to happen until February, and then sure enough, yep. they go and hire Nathaniel Hackett. By the way, kudos to Adam Kaplan, who was the one that said a few days before the hire that he thought that if he wanted it, Nathaniel Hackett was the leader in the clubhouse for the Jets' offensive coordinator job, and that turned out to be the case. And on the subject of Nathaniel Hackett, our first question comes in from Jim D, and I really like this question. He asks, thoughts on a possible Derek Carr-Nathaniel Hackett relationship and style of offense? Joe Blewett, our friend over at Jets X Factor, talked about this too after breaking down the film. Marcus Johnson from Tape Don't Lie and who writes for Silver and Black Pride was on the show. He did a weekly segment on his YouTube channel called The Car Facts where he would break down the All-22 of Derek Carr. And what he said was that Derek Carr did his best work in the West Coast offense, the play action, the improvising, and Nathaniel Hackett is coming in here to run a West Coast offense. So everybody's talking about Aaron Rodgers. And it's possible that the Jets get Aaron Rodgers, but if they get Derek Carr, Derek Carr would be an excellent fit in this offense. And that's one thing, Glenn, you and I were talking about this before we started recording. We could argue whether or not Nathaniel Hackett should have changed up his coaching style with the Broncos to suit what Russell Wilson does best. 
I don't even think it's an argument, honestly. I think that was a major problem for Nathaniel Hackett. He didn't adjust to what Russell Wilson's strengths are, and that cost him big time. But he wouldn't have to adjust if he comes in here and has either Derek Carr, Aaron Rodgers, or for that matter, even Jimmy Garoppolo, because all three of those guys thrive in the style of offense that Hackett runs. Yeah, it's nice to have to be able to alleviate that concern by bringing a guy like Hackett in there if you know you're going to be targeting a couple of guys who who are familiar with and who have thrived in that system. Because I say all the time, it's Scott, it, it drives me crazy when I see coaches, um, and you see it far more often than you would think. Like these are intelligent coaches who work hard to get where they are, and then you get these guys who will not adjust the system to their players, and you know they're not getting the most out of their guys. Um, so that would be a valid criticism of Hackett in Denver, and maybe he wasn't over his head. Maybe he wasn't ready to be a head coach yet, but in this role, in this system, if you get a guy like Carr or Jimmy G or Aaron Rodgers, that's, you know, that, that should make the transition that much smoother and kind of raise the expectations for early success. Next question comes in from CJ Cronin. He asks, why would Carr accept a trade? Having a no trade clause allows him to not force his new team to give up assets for him. Also doesn't help the Raiders. Just seems it makes more sense for him and his new team to sign him after he gets cut. It depends who reaches out and tries to get him. If it's a team that's at the top of his list and he can negotiate a new deal beforehand, he might prefer that security to having to go on the market and take his chances with other guys being available like Jimmy G. Also, from all accounts, he's very above the fray, so it's possible he may want to help the Raiders out on his way out the door if he can get them a third-round pick and everybody splits amicably because Derek Carr seems like the kind of guy that really would want to show up in 10, 15 years and be honored as a Raider. So I don't know that he wants to burn that bridge by saying, no, I will accept no trades. You must release me. He could ultimately do that. And I would say it's probably close to 50-50 that that happens. But if a team that really wants him is willing to make an offer to the Raiders, that's not going to cripple them. And it's a team that Carr wants to go to and also can work out a new deal with, because clearly he's not going to be making $41 million dollars in 2024 and 2025 and there's no guaranteed money there so he would get a lower cap figure for a higher percentage of guarantee if that scenario plays out then maybe there's a trade otherwise he could force a release so it could go either way yeah that was a question i asked on our pod a few days ago or a couple weeks ago and said the only way i could see Carr uh not getting traded or the only way i could see him getting traded is if the relationship with the raiders was that strong the way things fell apart late in the season, I get I kind of wouldn't be surprised if he's jaded and he says, you know what, I'm not going to do you any favors on my way out. And if that's the case, um, yeah, I, I don't see why you would accept the deal, because, uh, you know, as I said, I've discussed this with a few folks and said, if you had a skill that was in demand and you had the option of having four or five employers bid for your services versus taking what you already have, I mean, knowing you're probably going to get a longer, more lucrative deal if you go, you know, what would his motivation be? And I don't know if you saw the. The, the weird video his brother put out that he was going to have him on mm -hmm. his podcast to talk about what went wrong. And he, he was kind of hinting at some behind the scenes, like things not going well. And I think he backed away from that. But I think there's enough there to think that things got ugly at the end. And, and I don't know that he'll be dying to do them any favors. If you want to know exactly how things played out at the end, it's funny you brought that up, Glenn. A couple of days ago, Hondo Carpenter Sr. was on the show, the reporter from Sports Illustrated. He did a very thoroughly researched article where he talked to people from McDaniel's camp, people from Mark Davis's camp, people from Derek Carr's camp, painted a full picture of exactly how everything broke down at the end with the Raiders and Derek Carr. So if you haven't listened to that show yet, please go back and give it a listen. Well worth your time. Play like a jet. Play like a jet.
next question comes in from Jets Web. He says, Aaron Rodgers was at one time one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Now, I don't know that he's better than a top 15 quarterback, and he's going to likely continue to decline. Why would the Jets remotely consider trading major assets, anything beyond the third rounder that they ended up trading for Brett Favre, for a two-year or possibly even one-year rental with that level of production? Is this driven off of Woody Johnson's typical PR first winning second mentality? So let's start with the Brett Favre Aaron Rodgers comparison. I talked about this on the show the other day, and I did point this out on Twitter. Brett Favre actually had a better season in 2007 than Aaron Rodgers did in 2022, and Brett Favre was a year younger. The Jets ended up giving up what amounted to a third-round pick because Favre came in for a year, they didn't make the playoffs, and then he was on his way. It would have been a second-round pick if the Jets had made the playoffs and a first-round pick if they had made the Super Bowl. I think something like that for Rodgers is fair. I would be willing to do a little bit more than that if Rodgers stays for two years. Glenn, you and I talked about possible parameters. Maybe a second rounder in 2023 and an additional pick in 2024 if Rodgers plays. If he plays in 2024, then the Packers could get a third rounder if he just plays the season, a second rounder if the Jets make the playoffs, a first rounder if they make it to the Super Bowl. I don't know if that'd be enough to get it done because I think there's going to be other teams in the mix. You bring up a valid point, though, in your question. I don't know that I would say Aaron Rodgers is just the top 15 quarterback. I know that he had a down year statistically. He was working with new receivers, and he did have the thumb problem. But then again, a couple of years ago, those wouldn't have been excuses that we needed to make for him. So we have to balance it out. I think when he's healthy, he's still likely a top 10 quarterback. But you are only getting two years at most and maybe one year out of him. And so to give up two first-round picks, which is the reported asking price for somebody that could come in here for a year, maybe two, you better be sure that you're going to win the Super Bowl because if you don't, you are really going to put yourself in a hole. Now, people will talk about 2009, 2010 and how the Jets bounced back from Favre, but let's remember, that happened for two reasons. Number one, because the Jets didn't give up the store for Favre, they were able to have the ammo to move on fairly seamlessly to Mark Sanchez. Now, that didn't work out in the long run, but they still were able to make the Sanchez move. The second reason is because Eric Mangini made one of the most boneheaded trades I've ever seen in my life when he was in Cleveland. There were players that he clearly liked from his time here. He took Kenyon Coleman, Abram Elam, Brett Ratliff, and a second-round pick for the Jets to move from 17 to 5. Think about that. Think about what you're hearing right now about what the Bears may get in a move up from like number four to number one. You're talking about going from 17 to five for a quarterback. They gave up two reserve players and a guy on the practice squad along with a second round pick. So if it hadn't been for that and the fact that the Jets didn't give up the store for Favre, they would have been in a precarious position in terms of moving forward after Favre. The reason Favre fetched less in a deal than Rodgers probably will, though, is also the timing. Rodgers could be available now when teams are planning for 2023. If you'll recall, Favre retired, and then in the summer during training camp and heading into the preseason, he showed up and decided he wanted to play again. By that point, the Packers had already moved on to Aaron Rodgers. Teams were set at quarterback, and so there were a very limited number of teams that were going to be interested. It had to be a team that was ready to win, 
and a team that didn't have a settled quarterback situation also had to be a team in the AFC. So when the dust settled, they weren't going to trade him to the Vikings in the division, and they were not going to trade him to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with his old friend John Gruden. The only team in the AFC that really stepped up with an offer was the Jets, and it became the Packers and Favre could either accept the Jets or Favre had nowhere to go. And so that's why the deal ended up happening. It'll be different with Rodgers, so that's why I think whatever team trades for him may have to pony up a little bit more. But, Glenn, you and I share the same concern. We'd both love to see Rodgers in a Jets uniform. It would be great. But for a year or two, a guy who's 40 years old, who looks like he's starting to decline, and in the AFC, where not only would the Jets not be guaranteed to get to the Super Bowl, they wouldn't even be guaranteed to win their own division because the Buffalo Bills would be standing in their way, and even possibly the Dolphins, if Tua Tagovailoa is healthy next year. So I wouldn't give up those kind of assets for a one- or two-year rental because, like I said, if the team doesn't make the Super Bowl, they're putting themselves in a really big hole. And Glenn, we talked about this too. I know that the draft is a crapshoot, but I'm just throwing a theoretical out there. The Jamal Adams trade, the Seahawks gave up more or less what the Packers are asking for in this deal. Those picks turned into Elijah Vera Tucker and Garrett Wilson. You have to ask yourself, would it be worth passing on the opportunity to draft two players of that caliber and have them on cheap rookie deals for five years for a year, maybe two, of Aaron Rodgers at 40 years old? It's not as cut and dry as some people are making it out to be. Yeah, there's certainly more questions there than than some folks are acknowledging, and I'm I'm I guess I was going to say I'm not sure why, but I get that it's exciting the thought of of bringing in Aaron Rodgers, and I I think another big piece of this is this team is viewed as being closer to winning than they were when they traded for Brett Favre. What were they four and twelve the year before they brought Favre in? So that was a team that was you know of course he's going to make your team better, but there's a lot of people who feel like this is a top ten defense. They're probably going to be a top ten defense next year, even if they're top twelve. Like that, that puts you in the ballpark to do something special with Aaron Rodgers. But at the same time, there are no guarantees. And, and like you said, we're, we're kind of in the same boat here. Like I want the guy, but I don't want him for two, for two ones, because what's to say he doesn't have a down year next year and then decide to hang it up. You know, like how many years of beatings is he willing to take? Um, and, and as you said, there's no guarantees they're going to win. Of course, he dramatically improves their chances, but with that, with, and that, that's why I've said they've got to be conditional picks. Like, we don't have a crystal ball to know if he'll win a ring, but how about we say if he wins a ring, then you get the ones. If he plays and we make the playoffs, fine, you get a two or a three. But I'm not giving up a couple of ones for a guy who might be around for a year or two. I will say, Glenn, though, that that Jets team in 2008 was absolutely positioned to win. They were a quarterback away from making some noise. They had a really good defense and an excellent offensive line. Some pretty solid skill position players, too, at the time. But it is a different scenario because, like I said, Aaron Rodgers could be available now when teams are making plans at quarterback as opposed to back then. When the Jets, if you recall at the time, were one of the few teams that had a very unsettled quarterback situation Kellen Clemens and Chad Pennington were competing for the job with Brett Ratliff as the dark horse. Kellen Clemens had played poorly the year before after relieving Chad Pennington, who had had a really rough 2007. So there wasn't anything set in stone for the Jets at quarterback. They realized they had an opportunity to do something and they struck. And they got lucky with the timing because... If Favre had become available in January or February, there probably would have been a lot more teams interested, and the Packers probably would have gotten a lot more for him as well. Next question comes in from the Manton187. He says, thoughts on the Jets' approach going all in on a quarterback for, say, two to maybe three years with Rodgers, Carr, or Jimmy G? My thoughts are take advantage of the rookie contracts of Sauce, Brees Hall, 
Garrett Wilson and others strike now, especially with the general manager and the head coach on the hot seat. In a vacuum, I agree. I think it's a good idea to go get that upgrade. Now, the difference, of course, with Jimmy G and Derek Carr as opposed to Aaron Rodgers is they might be able to give you more than two or three years. Derek Carr is only 31 years old. Jimmy Garoppolo is only 31 years old. The big question with Garoppolo is whether he can stay healthy. But if he can, he could give you another five, six years. So could Derek Carr. Derek Carr doesn't miss games. He plays full seasons. There's no reason why he couldn't give you five to seven years. So I agree with you that they should try and take advantage of the win-now roster and the window of cheap contracts of the players that you talked about, but they have to be sensible about this. We go back to what Glenn and I just said about Aaron Rodgers. Giving up two firsts messes all of that up because if you don't win that second, you've now really hampered your future ability to do things. If you get Rodgers for a reasonable price, it's a different story because now you're going all in with those players and you still have the picks to build the other parts that would pay off over the long haul or even in the short term because if you pick a guy at, say, number 13 in the 2023 draft, that could be an offensive lineman that could come in right away and help whoever the quarterback is. And for those that will say, who cares about these first-round picks if they get Rodgers, the Jets will be picking at the end of the round. We've seen this a million times. Glenn, you and I talked about this yesterday. How many times have we seen teams that had that attitude and it came back to burn them? For example, look at the Seahawks when they traded those picks to the Jets. I'm sure they didn't think that the second first-round pick they gave up would be a top-10 pick. I'm positive the Broncos did not think that they were giving up a top-10 pick in year one let alone the rest of the package, for Russell Wilson. I'm a Nets fan. I remember what happened with Billy King and that Garnett-Paul Pierce trade. That was a franchise-crippling disaster because they thought that those first-round picks were going to be at the end of the round. I'm not trying to compare a trade for Aaron Rodgers to what Billy King did with arguably one of the dumbest moves in the history of the NBA with that Garnett-Pierce trade. I'm just saying these are all things that have to be considered when you're working out potential scenarios for what the Jets should do at quarterback. Yeah, I think in terms of anticipating which pick it would be, I mean, I think I, I feel like it, it is a late 20s pick if things go according to plan, but you just don't know. Mm-hmm. As I said, that's why mm-hmm. if I'm making that deal, I'm building in conditions rather than just saying, you know, you're getting these ones right off the bat. Um, and, and as far as, you know, the other quarterbacks out there, the thing that drives me craziest about it, um, when I hear people talk about Derek Carr, I, I and I've said this before, I really feel like the stuff we're hearing people say about Derek Carr right now is the same exact stuff I heard people saying about Matthew Stafford mm-hmm. a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Why trade for... He's never won anything. He's never mm-hmm. been to the playoffs. He's overrated. He was overdrafted. And you just watch him and say, but watch him play. Uh-huh. He is a very good player on a not very good team. Mm-hmm. And people just... I said it the other day, like, I understand at the end of the day, results are what matters, but you can't get so results obsessed that you just throw the baby out with the bathwater and say, don't trade for that guy. He's never won anything. Well, look, look how that worked out for Matthew Stafford. And people saying to me, like, you're never going to win with Derek Carr. How in the world do you know that? It, you, it's unknowable. What we do know is he is a very good quarterback who is, as you said, eight years younger than Aaron Rodgers. So you're gonna, if he plays well, you're going to keep him around. You're going to get seven, eight, nine years of play versus a year or two, maybe three. And so to just completely dismiss him and then point to his, his, you know, his win-loss record, which it's a team stat. Give me a break already. You know, I, I don't see why people are so against it. But I also don't see why people are in such a hurry to to go and give away premium picks and assume that, you know, it's all going to be fine because they're guaranteed to win with with Rodgers. I think you're guaranteed to make the playoffs if he stays healthy. But beyond that, that, you know, there are no guarantees. 
I don't even think you're guaranteed to make the playoffs. I think it's highly likely they would make the playoffs, but you never know how things could shake out, especially since the Jets do have some pretty tough teams on their schedule next year, including the Patrick Mahomes-led Kansas City Chiefs and the Joe Burrow-led Cincinnati Bengals, not to mention two games against the Dolphins and two games against the Buffalo Bills. By the way, to build on your point about Matthew Stafford, he was 0-4 in the playoffs with the Lions, never won a playoff game. People were criticizing his lack of success, and then we saw what he did when he went to a team that actually had a defense and players around him with the Rams. And then, of course, Jimmy Garoppolo, who nobody is going to say is an elite quarterback, was six minutes away from winning the Super Bowl. So I'm not saying that getting Derek Carr means a guaranteed Super Bowl, but what I am saying is, Glenn, as you just pointed out, out. There are people that I don't think are giving Derek Carr enough credit here, and I don't see why if he were on a team with a better defense and better surrounding players and coaches, why he couldn't have significantly more success than he did with the Raiders, where he never had better than a top 20 defense. And you and I talked about this. Carr is 26-17 in games when that Raiders defense holds the opponent to under three touchdowns. So it just shows you if he has a good defense behind him, more often than not, he's going to be able to get the offense to do enough to win games. That's going to wrap up part one of the mailbag. We'll be back with part two tomorrow. Check out everything we're doing over at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. Some awesome All-22 breakdowns on our channel. So watch our videos and subscribe if you haven't already. YouTube.com slash playlikeajet. Visit our store, tpublic.com. That's tepublic.com. We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quentin Williams, bless you. Thank you shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies. It's all there, tpublic.com. That's tepublic.com. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com.